the Freed from the Real podcast is brought to you each week by PureMTGO.com, MTGOTraders.com, and CapeFearGames.com. You can listen to us each week on PureMTGO.com, MTGOTraders.com, and MTGCast.com. episode 206. I'll be one of your hosts, the indefatigable AJ. With me is the inestimable uh, Sebastian Park, Rune Liger. Hello, everyone. And the illuminatable Kia Soleil. Um, hi? <laughs> We're like the winning Kia Soleil. Let me, let me Google illuminatable here and see if I should be happy about that. I think it's a British oh. word. I'm not sure. <laughs> it probably exists, maybe, if you're lucky. Okay. If not, it does now. Anyway, this is the Free From The Real podcast, bringing all the news that's fit to listen to regarding the online game and stuff from the offline game of interest to us, such as the final printing of the full Gate Crash spoiler. Uh, spoiler season is over. So, gentlemen, what do we like out of this lot? Um well, just really quickly, like, because we got about half the cards released overnight, um, since Wizards always releases the full set the, the week of the pre-release. Um, so there was a lot to go over. A lot of it was just limited stuff, but there are a few fun new cards that we found out about. Um, one of them being, where is it? That I liked was Soul Ransom. I thought this was kind of an interesting card. Uh, two, a blue, and a black. Um, for an aura, uh, enchant creature, you control enchanted creature. And then discard two cards... Soul Rancer's Ransom's controller sacrifices it, then draws two cards. Only an opponent may activate this ability. Yep. So, so basically... Yeah, like Control Magic, um, which at four has proven to be pretty good, but your opponent does have the buyout option of discarding two cards and letting you draw two cards to get the creature back. Yep. So, four card swing or one creature swing for four mana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the, the the big issue with the discard two cards is that it's it'd be it would have been a lot better if you discard up to two cards. It's as as written, it's a really good card. I'll see a lot of limited play. It may even see some standard play. Probably not though. I could the, the only reason I could see it seeing constructed play is like just in like this scenario. So like you take your opponent's creature that they that's a key creature that they need or it shuts them down. <laughs> then you right just return them. <laughs> well, like yeah, or like you know maybe they were, if they were an aggro deck like they were already down to no cards. They draw back up to two and they're like okay I'll discard two cards. You can draw two cards and take the guy back. And then you're like, great. Well, now that I've drawn two cards, hey, look, I drew another Soul's Ransom. Soul's Ransom, I'm back again. And then you have to take some another... Like, I don't know. I can see it having potential um, as a constructed card. Yeah. It's uh, got a nice little mini-game to it, um, all in all. And um, it might well see constructed play. I mean, four-mana control... uh, Control magics are... Well, it was too good for control magic anyway. Absolutely. I mean, back in the day when we had yeah, just straight-up control magic at 2 and 2 blue, not only was it annoying and incredibly overpowerful, but in the days before sleeves, it was probably responsible for more stolen cards than anything else. Um, <laughs> whether by accident or on purpose, <laughs> it happened. Yep. Um, any of you guys see any other interesting cards? Yeah, I mean... Th- I mean, beyond the obvious, I th- was Spark Tripper out by last week? I, I can't remember. I, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. 
Yeah, so Spark Trooper is one red, white, one red, red, white. He has uh, Trample, Lifelink, Haste, uh, and is a 6-1, and then sacrifices himself at the end of the turn, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, so yep. Ball Lightning Helix. <laughs> that's a really good way of putting it, yes. <laughs> that's, that's what I call him. Yeah, I, I, that's a great way of putting it. I think it is, this card also wins my award for goofiest, cartooniest art in the set. Quite good, I suppose. Uh, one of the um, limited filler cards I saw, Righteous Charge, one white-white sorcery, creature control, get plus two, plus two until end of turn. Fairly average stuff. But the thing which attracted me to this was the flavor text. In the yeah. name of peace, moderation, and decency, wipe them all out. <laughs> Politics uh, circa any time in the last century. Yeah. Pretty funny. Yeah, there's some looking. There's a lot of good limited stuff. Like looking through it, I really like the high concentration of just like cheap extortion creatures, like Syndicate of Tithes or, or Syndic of Tithes, two mana, two two with extort. Um, there is a three mana, two two flyer with extort. Yeah, Kingpin's pet, a, a one, a black and a white for a two two flying with extort. Just seems really potent. Um, you know, with extort, like it, and, you know, because having, and also cheap extort spells are better, because then, like, say you already have two extort guys on the table, if you draw the two mana 2-2, two, two, then you're like, oh, I can cast him and still extort you twice. Um, so I feel like that could be some kind of, like, deck, just, you know, have nothing but, like, cheap extort guys, so you can just keep playing those and keep draining your opponent, um, and not even needing, like, high casting cost cards. That sounds pretty good to me. The extort thing I really like, however, is uh, Blind Obedience, the um, enchantment. Yes, hard to remove. Yep, it's artifact or creature opponent enters enter the battlefield tap, uh, extort, and just... Kismet, Kismet is always um, one of the subtly powerful cards. It completely hoses haste, it just shuts down... Um... <laughs> Kismet is a, is a powerful card, yes, yes. Yeah, and this is a two-mana Kismet. Yeah, no, absolutely. Very interesting. Um, we got a bunch of the kind of the filler cipher cards, including the the expected draw card cipher, um, which yep. actually comes in at three and a blue, called Last Thoughts. Um, one interesting one I saw that I didn't expect to see was just a straight up kind of like zap uh, sh sh shadow slice. Five mana, target player loses three life cipher. So kind of just yes. like a boost, a little boost in your attack there. Reminiscent of Bump in the Night, in some ways. Yep, yeah, the, the three life loss, and then getting to recur it seems pretty nice. You, you know, you go three, stick it on a flyer, in limited, and like attack you, and then three you again. That's uh, it's gonna really bring the clock to a head. Yeah, well, although most of the um, main advantagey um, uh, cipher cards do tend to be on the rather expensive four plus mana side. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, they clearly, I'm assuming in playtesting, they quickly discovered that having, like, two and three cost cipher cards might be a bit of a problem. Probably good. <laughs> yeah, they bumped the cost across the board, especially given, like, three cost cipher cards in a format that contains Invisible Stalker just seems like a bad idea. Yep. Like, no matter, almost no matter what they do. <laughs> like, um, and then, AJ, you had remarked earlier that there was a lot of, kind of, Oops, we need to plug some holes in some overpowered pieces of the yep. set. 
for example, the one mana enchantment, which uh, uh, one black mana, all tokens get minus one, minus one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they they realize, like, obviously, especially during, you know, the early days of Innistrad block constructed when people were playing Intangible Virtue for two, and then you were countering it with Curse of Deathhold for five. That was not good enough. So, yeah. Let's go after the tokens with Illness in the ranks. One black, yep. tokens get minus one, minus one. Yep. Illness in the ranks is pretty solid. Um, another yeah. one is, you know, the aforementioned Invisible Stalker being virtually impossible to interact with. Um, For most decks, yes. Yeah. Um, they gave us the Glaring Spotlight. Uh, one costing artifact, creatures your opponent control with Hexproof can be the target of spells and abilities as though they didn't have Hexproof. And then, should you already have one on the table and you need some bonus effect, you can pay three and sacrifice it, and creatures you control get Hexproof and are unblockable this turn. Woo! <laughs> So basically, it's um, it both stops the invisible stalker and makes your entire team invisible stalkers. Yes, <laughs> it's like you know what that was a pretty cool ability. I'm gonna give it to everyone. <laughs> um, so yeah, they had they've definitely gone through and been like, you know, now that we've had a chance to see some of the powerful effects, they've put those little safety valves in place to try and control those elements to a degree. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so that's pretty good. How about we just go and we'll go through our top five list of cards from Yay Crash. AJ, you want to start us off? Certainly. I've gone for a somewhat, um, uh, can I break the game with this stroke? How good would this be in Commander type um, top five? Starting with Merciless Eviction, the um, uh, exile all of um, the permanent type of your choice, apart from lands. Uh, six mana... Um, uh, four white black um, might even see uh, constructed play after all um, uh, final judgment did and this is final judgment with a lot more versatility to it mm -hmm. yeah definitely a, a powerful control card we've had ones like this in the past sort of like what was it um, cataclysm or something like that well, Cataclysm was, I think, uh, one of uh, you keep one of everything. No, this it's, is not more... the, it's not the one I'm thinking. Of. It, it's the was it from like Tempest or whatever? It's like four white white and like you could either blow up all creatures or blow up all lands or something like that. Yeah, um, I think I remember the one you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Again, I can see the art. Can't think of the name. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, you're right. A lot of versatility and a potent control card. Yeah. Next to my list is High Priest of Penance, which is. Uh, one white, one black for a 1-1 one, one with when High Priest of Penance uh, takes any damage, destroy target permanent. No. Yeah. Pretty well, I, saw the, I saw this card and amongst my myriad of thoughts was um, yeah. <laughs> how, about, how about that old um, Torment rare, last laugh. Whenever a permanent goes into a graveyard, deals uh, one damage to each player and each creature, and say indestructibility. Well, that's not nice. <laughs> yeah, that's not nice at all. <laughs> at what part in our negotiations did you think I was being nice? Yeah, <laughs> good point. <laughs> yeah, that's as uh, soon as I saw this card, I was like, how can I make him indestructible and deal a lot of damage to him? Um, I didn't come up with anything, but clearly you did. So, absolutely. <laughs> Um, like nothing else from our resident mad scientist. 
speaking of mad science, here's something which would be good to end to in Exhume. Sylvan Primordial. Uh, for each opponent, um, uh, vindicate anything which isn't a creature, and then search a library for a forest. So if you're playing, say, a six-player uh, commander game, that's five vindicates and five forests, and a five-six. If you're entombing and exhuming on turn two. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, that'll, that'll get a lot of quick concessions, I imagine. <laughs> yep. In a commander game. Yeah. Um, but the possibilities now are there. You could well uh, see it happen. But, um, yep. Next one which caught my eye was something which is, oh lordy, goblin decks are going to be really, really annoying now. And that's the You've Legion... You've denied the already. <laughs> And that's the Legion Loyalist, which is a one-mana, one-one goblin with battalion. If you attack with this and two other creatures, which goblins are going to find so difficult to do, um, it gives you... Uh, uh, all your creatures have first strike, trample, and can't be brought by tokens. <laughs> Yay! Fuck. <laughs> oh, sorry. Really, I mean, really, with first strike and trample, do you want to be blocking them with tokens? Like, is that going to make that big a deal? Like, have you know, seen but, some of these tokens, man? Yeah, I mean, there, yeah, there's the occasional token, but generally, like, you know, it's like an army of one one tokens they can block, and they're like, well, if you have first strike and trample, you're going to kill my token, and you're still going to deal a ton of damage to me. So, but yeah, again, they were they don't want to take any chances. They give people the weapons to hate tokens. Yeah, yep. tokens are not. Uh, wizards no longer wizards. It's no longer a fan because they can't print them fast enough. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. do you know that? I, do you know that people buy tokens for a dollar a piece? How crazy uh, is that? Uh, some of <laughs> them are more. Yeah, that's that's absurd. Mm-hmm. That's insane. I think it was seriously the, people. Yeah, I think it was the it was one of the death coil or warm yeah. coil engines tokens. I think it was the lifelink one was actually kind of like rarer. And so, like that token ended up being like four or five dollars. Yeah, no. For your like your a lifelink token for your worm coil engine, you know, which could also be a nickel, um, <laughs> like or a dollar for that matter. Yeah, no, I mean it was ridiculous. I saw the Star City yeah. Games booth buying these tokens for like a dollar a piece. I'm like, wait, but there are a bunch of them on the table over there. One sec. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, people are like, because normally, like you know, you sit there, you use a dice, you use or a die, you use a coin. I've seen people use shoestrings or torn pieces of I paper, all sorts finger. of stuff. <laughs> I use my left finger, and it's like I have point to something, and I hope for the best. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's interesting that people – there's been a shift towards people wanting to you know, have, have the most appropriate representation possible. Obviously not a problem for Magic Online. Um, so, yeah, they will shell out these tokens. All right. Rounding out my top five, I've got Undercity Plague, which is the six-mana Black and Cypher. Rare, which um, essentially one-sided um, small poxes to your opponent, and then does it every time your attacker hits them. Yeah, I really like it. I'm surprised, and this is another one I'm surprised um, wasn't made multiplayer friendly since it says target player, like as opposed to like each opponent loses a life, discarded cards, and sacrifices a permanent. I think that would be a bit much. <laughs> think so. This is me talking about this sort of thing, because the first thing you'd want to do on this thing is put it on a nice double striker so you can uh, 
essentially get nine cards up on one player in one turn. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, that'd, that'd be pretty ridiculous. Nine cards on every player? Come on. That seems fine. But then, like, you know, okay. the, it becomes political with the target player, and you're like, whereas if it was everyone, you're like, hey, it's not, it's just the card, it's not me, you know, I don't, I didn't want to hurt you, I didn't want to hurt him, but I gotta hurt everybody. I kind of prefer the politics of retribution, if you will. Oh, hey, you've killed my 1-1 one, one token. Here, lose everything. <laughs> How is that an appropriate response? <laughs> I didn't say appropriate, I said retribution. Yeah, I have no comment on that. <laughs> Uh, just uh, remind me not to play commander with this kid. Yeah, apparently. It's <laughs> like, it's like, um, like, like Sebastian, you were late to the podcast. All your creatures die. Yes. <laughs> oh, I'll kill all your creatures anyways, Commander. Yeah. Okay. Um, for my top five list, mine's a lot more um, straightforward friendly? and well, I wouldn't say friendly, um, but more attuned towards the type of decks I play, and that's evident. Um, a couple of them have already featured and have been out for a while. Obviously, Skullcrack, I think, is huge. Uh, yep. Two mana, 3-3, three, three, that stops life gain and damage prevention for a turn. Yep. Um, Fire Main Avenger, which we've talked about, the four mana, 3-3, three, three, that when you, with Battalion, that Lightning Helixes seems really potent. And obviously, Boros Charm, which is incredibly versatile, giving a guy double strike at instant speed, dealing four damage, or countering target Wrath of God, um, targeting your guys. The, the two that I found... Um, and also, one more, sorry, also Aurelia's Fury, which is going to be the most expensive Mythic in the set by a wide margin. Um, yep. It just nothing even comes close to it on the Mythic scale, and this card's going to suck up a large amount of the value of the set, I feel like, um, at its red, white, and X to go crazy. Um, yep. The last card that I have on my list is just is a, just a little common, which I find really interesting. Um, nope, sorry, correction, uncommon. Um, Firefish Striker, and it's a... One in a red for 2-1 with Battalion whenever it and two other creatures attacks. Target creature can't block this turn. Um, which is, you know, that's something like a kind of a, just a little hole that's really easy to fill. It's a cool effect you want, but nothing you ever want to spend a card on. Um, so just having a 2-mana two 2-1 two with that built in so that, you know, you curve out, you have your turn 1 guy, that guy turn 2, and then turn 3. That even if your opponent has hit a creature that's kind of a pain to get through, well, suddenly you just bash with the team and say, hey, he can't block. Um, it just really opens, opens up some options for aggro, and I could see him playing some kind of a role. Yep. You know, especially after we lose a, a Pyreheart Wolf, which has seen some play and was kind of filling the role of mess up your ability to block. Um, but this guy's a 2-man, two 2-1, two instead of a 3-man, a 1-1. One, one. So. I can imagine him curving into um, Sky Knight... Um... Sky Knight Legionnaire. Legionnaire. Yeah, that, that'd yeah. be pretty nice, yeah. So, like, if your opponent plays turn 2 guy that you don't want to trade with, well, then you're like, well, all right, turn three, attack with all of them. He can't block. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good point. Yep. So that kind of, that's my quick top five. Sebastian, what do you got? Yeah, I mean, my top five was basically Kia's top five, but then I wanted to be different, you know, be a hipster and whatnot. So the first on my top five is every single land in the set. Um, <laughs> that, I think that goes without say. I think all the lands are excellently drawn. They're really awesome. And I, I don't mean just the, like, the obvious Guildgates and the Foundries and whatnot. But like, also, like, um, Vespian Stage, I thought it had a lot of really great flavor. Uh, it's a add one to your mana pool. Tab 2 becomes a, a copy of Target Land and gains that ability. We've already talked about this. And it looks really cool. So, I mean, like, I like, love the lands. I think that goes without saying. 
the other cards I like are the Vishkopa. I need a I need a German or a Russian person to help me pronounce this one. Uh, Vishkopa, I think. Vishkopa, <laughs> guild mage. I mean, the black white guild mage. The Orzov guild mage, basically. Um, <laughs> seems really innocuous at first, but when combined with another innocuous card called uh, Exquisite Blood from Avakin Restored. And thanks for thanks to Nuna for pointing this out to me. Is a two card combo that just kills a person, which I think is really cool. Um, yeah. I'm excited to give this a try out on Nodo when oh. it comes out. Well, it's two cards and a way to damage them, which could yeah, just I mean... be attacking with the Guild Mage, obviously, um, <laughs> if it can get through. But yeah, you just you deal, you pay the three, you deal a point of damage, and death. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know there are a lot of people who have been talking about different uh, black, red, white decks that are just pure. A creatureless aggro with a lot of burn. Now I'm thinking this might be like the extension of that, which would be like creatures, creatureless, creatureless aggro into a combo deck, which would be fun. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, other things like interesting potential. Quite a few nicer things you could do in modern with it, um, uh, like uh, Martyrs of Corliss or um, the uh, similar effect um, from from uh, Alara Reborn. Uh, the black-white uh, artifact thing from there. There's lots of ways to um, really give somebody a bad ne- bad day just by activating that and this. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, a card I, that's on Kia's list I just could not keep for, off my list was Boros Charm, because I think Boros Charm is amazing in yeah. over almost every sense of the word, so... Uh, sorry. No, that's, <laughs> that's fine, you're right. I, I want to cast it about 10,000 times already. Yeah. Like, I can't wait. And if it wasn't on both, yeah, if it wasn't on both of your lists, I'd have grabbed it as well. Yeah, it was, it's it's absolutely amazing. Um, I'm really happy as as a as a often a red mage as I can be. I think it's great. I also think it's going to see a lot of playing control decks. Just letting people know, like people are like, oh, this is like a pure um, aggro card, and I think that's not the case. I think like blue white, um, like like different variations of American control will play this. Like it seems like a really good card, um, and. Randy on my list are Simic Charm, and which is another great card that you know doesn't seem to be as powerful as Boros Charm. Very few cards in Magic seem to be as powerful as Boros Charm at this point. So I mean, Simic Charm gives plus is a green blue, as you might imagine. Is it's choose one, Giant Growth, Hexproof, and Unsummon in the card basically, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and on that it's it's actually. The permanence you control gain hexproof, so it's you know giant growth or unsummoned or everything you get is indestructible or, or gains hexproof. Sorry, so it's you know even if they have like multiple effects, like for example Aurelia's Fury, and they try to like tap or kill a bunch of your permanents at once, it's like nope, nope. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, and so Good card. I mean, speaking of Aurelia's Fury, the one card I, that appeals to Timmy and me, and that might see some play, is. Um, Aloria, the actual creature, which is the um, the war leader, which is a flying vigilance haste for six, um, two red, two white, and two colorless. Uh, three, four, whenever attacks for the first time each turn, untap all creatures you control, you get another combat phase. That just seems fun. Uh, like, there's nothing else to say other than it sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah, by pretty itself, much. I don't, it doesn't, it's pretty good, and I think it's right on the border of being playable. I think it's going to depend on how much uh, battalion is seen as useful and constructive, because obviously an additional attack combat step with battalion effects is what's going to be crazy. It's interesting to note that each of us has 
each mentioned a different battalion in effect, though, in the list. That's because battalion is awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, personally, I like attacking with a lot of creatures. Like, that's, that's, <laughs> I like playing magic that way, so. Um, it does. They're usually a bunch of cheap creatures, and so I need extra effects to get over the hump at the end. So battalion's kind of right up my alley. Yes, the extra effects to get over the hump mechanic in itself. Exactly. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, but we've posted the links to both the text versions. So you can just scroll through and read all the cards and also the visual image gallery if you want to look at all the cards. We've got links for both of those in the show notes. Okay. Right. In, uh, other news, we have uh, some new the new promos announced. The Moxes Season 1 is actually ending tomorrow. And we have the promo for Season 2 that you can work to earn. A little bit of a drop-off from Force of Will, but quite frankly, what wouldn't be? Um, and that's going to be Supreme Verdict. Um, alternate I was going to say. Yeah, 4 mana, Wrath of God that can't be countered is the new option. It's pretty good. And like the only cards that wouldn't be a drop-off would have been like Power. Yeah, exactly. Oh, by like, the way, here's Power. Yeah, there's, there's nothing they could have done that people wouldn't be like, well, that's not Force of Will, because, yeah, nothing else for a promo would have, could be Force of Will except, you know, the Power 9. Um, yeah. But, I mean, hey, Supreme Verdict sees a lot of play. It's a very good card. And it's pretty sweet art on the promo. So. I, I love the art. I thought the art was something I missed in... Uh, I saw a lot of it in real life. And I know. It's a weird thing. It's yeah. weird. Yeah. yeah. Um, other promos we have is the Magic Online Player Rewards uh, for February-ish. Uh, we have the tournament participation promo that you can get is a textless tidings. Pretty sweet looking. And the the yeah. store spending promo is extended art magma quake. When was the last time Tidings saw serious play? Uh, had to be like the Kamigawa Guild um, Ravnica. Yeah, it was like the ninth edition where you had you had access to Urza's lands. So you yeah, you had like access to Urza's lands. Urza's lands. Urzatron was a big factor, so you'd have blue, red, and blue white, and uh, no, blue, red, and blue green Urzatron. Yeah, so that's when you had tidings. Yeah, because you had signets to fix your mana along with the Urza lands. That was probably the last time I remember it seemed like. Good card though, man. Five mana. Great card. And then Magma Quake didn't really take off a whole lot. It's all a little bit of play here, but quite frankly, this this art is awesome. Like even if I never play it, I kind of just want to have it and sit in my collection, uh, just because of how sweet the art looks. Hey, you could always use it for the uh, full art uh, burn set because there's. Been quite a few full art burn cards over the years. That's true. I do want to play my my full art slash textless burn deck, so that could be a piece. <laughs> it's like this. It's a lightning bolt. I swear. Like it, it's definitely a lightning bolt. Yeah. No, actually. Cool. Yeah. The ultimate dream is because I have like uh the like unhinged lands, and I want to get that, and I want enough textless spells that I want a textless burn deck. Like other than card names, there are no words on my deck anywhere. <laughs> living the dream yeah mm-hmm. we're getting there we got like lightning bolt and we got incinerate and a handful of others uh, eventually one day one day alright uh, but yeah so we got those promos all there lots of fun opportunities to earn them other news we have not sure when this happened because there was no announcement and just kind of randomly wandered <laughs> into it uh, wizards uh, they've always had the MTGO calendar that you can click on from uh, mtgonline.com as one of the sidebar options. It was a great way to see like when events are starting. You could look ahead and even kind of dig through and say what's what's going on out of usual as opposed to just the normal schedule. 
Well, they've kind of made that easier because now they have a master schedule of important Magic Online dates. Um, yep. And we have copy-pasted the current one for you. And just like you can look ahead and see, hey, here's the upcoming PTQs. Here's Moxus events. Uh, the release of the next set, in this case, Gatecrash, which will be on February 11th. Um, yeah, and it's just a handy way to see the non-recurring events that are going on in a quick glance. So kudos to Wizards for putting that on there. Boo to Wizards for not telling anyone you put it on there. Yeah, I understood that. Like, it's Wizards, like, people are mad at them for things they tell us, right? So why not tell us some good things once in a while? Yeah. Well, they might have told us it, just not in a place where anybody could see it. Yeah, I'm sure it was on page four of some obscure thread somewhere uh, in the forums, and then we just skipped it over. Um, But, I mean, the calendar page has – it's a lot more than a calendar. There's a lot of information on there about – all the, the the Moxus entire season. So if you need to look back and be like, hey, what promo was season three? Um, you know, when it's the end of the year, you can see that. Uh, the Magic Online player rewards for the year, what the Thursday Night Magic Online formats are and what the current promo is, and how long you still have to redeem sets that have already come out and when the cutoff dates are and the guarantee dates are. So it's a really helpful link um, to see all that information. And now it's gotten more helpful with the Master Calendar. Yay. All right, let's move on to our prices then. That kind of wraps up the news. Looking at the prices, we just kind of took a look at Return to Ravnica since we have an upcoming set and wondering, you know, where everything is at and is anything going to move or shake potentially because of what's going on in the new set. Um, Most of the rares have gotten pretty cheap. First thing which really jumps out to me, apart from Angel of Serenity, which is at um, 11.17 apiece, the expensive stuff is Planeswalkers and X-Bells. Yeah, <laughs> uh, pretty much uh, Sphinx's Revelation, you know, as you said, you know, they're hosing X-Bells with the one new guy as part of their release there. But Sphinx's Revelation, I remember when, that, when it came out, you know, kind of just lingered and loitered. And like the six to seven range is up to twenty three dollars now, um, and is the most expensive card in the set. Yep. With good reason, it's incredibly powerful. Second is Jace. Mm-hmm. Who'd have thought a Jace Planeswalker actually making actually being worth money? Yeah, yeah, it's just, just it's just a habit now. It's like, oh, there's a new Jace. All right, twenty dollars. Oh, he's no one's playing him. Okay, fine, fifteen dollars. <laughs> like. Wait, someone might have had it in their sideboard who didn't top beta event? Back to $20. Yeah, exactly. One person played one copy in their sideboard and they top 32 $30. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's it's actually really funny because I I had an experience a couple weeks ago where someone plays the worst Jace, the Architect of Mind, right? And for the matchup, it's the worst Jace. You can can argue if he's better or worse. And I was just like, wait. I I, I was about to scoop because I thought I was game, but then I realized, wait, no, this isn't the right Jace. And he's like, yeah... I'm a little broke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. So I was like, you, you know, this card doesn't do anything in this matchup anymore. It's like, yeah, but I figure if I play it, you can't play yours. So, like, you know, Jace's don't work. Like, yeah, it does work that way, but yeah, I'm not exactly of, sure. Yeah, there was that point in time when people started playing three-mana baby Jace just to keep their – like, they would could play it on turn three. So that when their opponent played the Jace, the Mind Sculptor, they had a turn still um, to out-jace them. Um, yep. That definitely Seal of anti-jace. Yeah, pretty that's much, yeah. 
or Jaceland. Jaceland. Ah. Um, other news, there's a lot of rares that could potentially pop, um, give, depending upon what kind of decks open up now that we get, you know, five additional dual lands and five new guild pieces. It depends on which, like, piece of the tricolored pie you want to go with. But things like, you know, a lot less troll at $1.12, an abrupt decay at $163. Um, Mizium Mortars can go into a lot of decks at 121 There's a lot of just, like, really cheap, like, dollar rares that could find their way uh, into fun and unique decks. Like, I don't know if there's, like, a green-white-black reanimator deck where a lot of troll could be used as a discard outlet and to be aggressive or something like that. Obviously, Abrupt Decay just good um, for clearing the way. There's a, there's a lot of interesting pieces that could start moving around. And for those of you looking to um, cash in on the next uh, mock series, as they did with the Force of Will previously, Supreme Verge is currently 1.43. That's just ridiculous. I mean, it's for a raft that's only been printed in one set and will be very good for quite a while, there's no reason not to for that card to be a dollar. <laughs> yeah, pick up your playsets. Yeah. I, can't, I mean, it can't go much lower, and I mean, it's really, really good, so. Yeah, I mean, like, it's actually one of the few ways to interact with Invisible Stalker, just FYI. True. <laughs> yes. Uh, Kill it. <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, you can't target it or block it? All right, just blow it up along with everything else. Thanks. Sounds like, sounds like a plan to me. All right. So, well, sometimes, sometimes you just have to say, right, that's it, everybody dies. Yeah, like, get out of here, all of you. Go away. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Definitely does the job there. Good card, good card. Um, all right, moving on, we have our question of the week, and that is, you know, our typical at this point in the pre-release. What are your top favorite five favorite cards from Gate Crash? Now that you have this full spoiler, um, we obviously already we broke ours down earlier uh, from that, but we'd love to hear from you if you want to post, if you want to email us at freedfromtheRealMTGO at gmail.com and let us know, or you know, share it with the world, and we can all begin bickering about why this card is good and why that card's bad. Can't wait. Uh, give us a reason why Boris Charm is top of your list, and we'll see what we, what, um, we can do with it. Yes. All right. That'll pretty much bring us to the close here. So, uh, AJ, what you been playing? I was at the Tribal Apocalypse 2012 Invitational, the 16 best um, uh, of that particular um, player-run event from the previous year. Um, I didn't do too well, but the person I lost to was the eventual champion. All right, <laughs> pretty good. Can't can't get upset about that. Were there any special tribal rules, or was it just like straight up go nuts? Oh, each round's a different set of rules to go with. Uh, the first round was um, underdogs. You had to go for a tribe which either hadn't won before or um, uh, had a certain limited number of members, or um, simply hadn't been played before. Mm-hmm. On the one hand. Uh, the next round was uh, the deck which you did the best with the previous year. Uh, the round after that was, um, oh, let's see, what was the round after that? Ah, um, oh, yes, that was um, a tribe you hadn't played before or scored any points with whatsoever. How, how did um, you manage to do that? <laughs> how did you come up with a deck for a tribe you haven't played before? Well, in this case, it's a tribe you haven't won points with before in that oh, okay. uh, particular series. Although, for me, that did uh, completely wipe out um, a lot of really bizarre things, including Manticore, Masticore, and Gorgon. 
because those are tribes you both played and won points with. Exactly, yes. Wow. So um, I had in mind a um, uh, combo dragon deck using uh, the uh, Dream Halls and um, uh, Convlox combo to uh, uh, use um, the Forgotten One Mana White Instant Shields of Velis Vel to steal your entire army with um, Karthus and then hit you with 20 power dragons in one turn. Yeah, seems good. <laughs> I can't believe you found a tribe you had never played with before. Oh, it's, it's not so much a tribe you haven't played with before because there literally aren't any of those for me. Yeah, but in your it's case, more, there's not one. Yeah, it's um, a case of a tribe you haven't scored points with before. Gotcha. you got to take and, a, a second bite of the apple there. Yeah. Try and do a little better. Yeah, and the top four was um, uh, your opponent chooses two colors, you choose two colors, your opponent plays with the colors you chose. Ooh, that's pretty interesting. So you, so you had to build, like, y'all had to build a deck after the top four was determined at that point, right? Yeah, they're basically a single elimination, so at each round, top 16 first round, top eight next. Oh, okay. um, Top four and the top, so especially the top two and the um, third, fourth playoff. Oh, okay, very cool, very cool. Sounds good. Uh, as for myself, I went to the Star City Games Dallas event that I had just down the road. It's actually in Fort Worth, but yeah. No and you time. did all right, right? Yeah, it turned out I had a pretty good day. Uh, I actually managed to make it into the top eight and win my first round there to move on to the top four. Unfortunately, losing. At that point, but again, I'm not going to be incredibly upset with the top four finish. It's, you know, hand to God, honestly, I expected to be two, three drop out of this event, like do a side draft, hang out with friends, and then call it a day and not really even go Sunday because I don't play Legacy in real life. Um, because I had, I played like, I played like four matches with the deck after I decided to play it on Thursday. Hadn't read anything about it, didn't know about anything about the standard metagame really, um, overall. So I had no expectations to go 9-1 and one through the Swiss and then make the top four. I'm very excited I did, obviously, and it was incredibly fun. Um, but I just want to put that caveat out there for people that watched me and were like, why did he play like that? What was he doing? And criticizing decisions because I really didn't know what I was doing. Um, but luckily the deck was good enough that it, it carried me there. And uh, yeah, ended up with the top four. So, woo! Yay! Yeah. Yeah, 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 it's very hard to complain uh, when you make a top four. Um, even, you know, with extensive testing or not, either way, hard to complain. So, yeah. Fun weekend for me. Must sure. be nice. Mm-hmm. Sebastian? Yeah, so I've been uh, I've been playing a lot of standard. Um, I became a level one judge with Riesling, which was a lot of fun. Woo! Uh, I've been, I actually, I've played about ten um, two-man queues with Kia's deck and have yet to win a game. <laughs> like, not even a match. Like, I've yet to win a game. And so, like... I, I don't know if I'm horrible at this game or like, I, I just keep mulliganing and like I never have the pants for the man or the man for the pants like a little annoying honestly. Yeah, can, <laughs> so maybe I'll, can I'll have to out. go talk to um, Kia about getting some pointers on how to play this deck apparently. My, my However, that might not stop mulliganing. <laughs> just draw your <laughs> <for> hands. <laughs> no, Bear in oh. mind he just he just said he didn't know what he was doing with it. <laughs> what advice you expected to get? Yeah. 
no, no, you mean? I mean, not mulliganing is, is some advice I like to. I should have yeah. taken them beforehand, apparently. Yeah. No, I mean, honestly, like the deck obviously kind of played pretty straightforward. I had problems there. My biggest problem was sideboarding. Like I had no clue what I was doing with my sideboard um, most of the time. And kind of muddled my way through it. And, and and my strategy for sideboarding evolved as the tournament went on. I was like, oh, hey, this card's not very good in this matchup, so I should probably start siding that out um, in the future. <laughs> so it got a little little wonky, but clearly, you know, obviously it worked well enough um, to get me there. So Indeed. <laughs> All right. I believe that covers this week's edition of the podcast. Um you know, if you're going in real life to play some gate crash, then have fun with that. Otherwise, just keep playing Magic and hold on until February 11th. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, thanks, guys. And we will hear from everyone next week. Yep. All right. Until then, goodbye. Later. Have a good week, everybody. Happy MLK Junior Day. I know it's past, but. <laughs> we'll count it.